Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast and we're speaking the morning after Manchester United have been eliminated from the Champions League and it feels as bad as it did in Wolfsburg when it was freezing in 2015 or against Sevilla which was the beginning of the end for Jose just like Wolfsburg was the beginning of the end for Louis van Gaal. Or an Olympiacos under David Moyes, although United won the home leg and went through to play games Bayern Munich before going out in 2014. United have been knocked out of Europe, well, almost every season, unless they're winning the competition. But it doesn't get easier with time. It still feels really disappointing, especially after the team started this group stage so well with that wonderful win in Paris and putting five past RB at Old Trafford. And then there was the game in Istanbul. Um, When I was there, I was with Matt Ford. We spoke after that game. We were both in a very empty Istanbul. And I'm joined by Matt now. Matt is in Leipzig. I couldn't be there. Uh, First European away game I've missed for a good while. And I couldn't do it because... It would have required a five-day quarantine in Germany, and I just couldn't justify that. And must admit, I was very envious of Matt when he started putting pictures up yesterday, including a United We Stand sticker in Leipzig, uh, Hof van Hof. And not so envious after the game last night when I saw it would probably be absolutely freezing, and I realised I would have a massive trip across Europe by train to get back home. Good morning from Leipzig, Matt. How is it there? Yeah, morning, Andy. Yeah, cheers for reminding me that I've also got a pretty long train journey back in a in pretty shocking, downcast, rainy weather. So, um, and it was freezing last night. And you're definitely not you're definitely not the only person who said, yeah, they were a little bit envious before the game, um, but wouldn't wish that upon the worst enemy after the game by full time because it was pretty bitter in that ground. So you could go to the game because even though you're from Manchester, you live in Germany and you're allowed to travel across to the game in Leipzig. You work as a journalist, so you could get accreditation. I know that Barmy Kev, who was with us in Istanbul and who managed to get into the ground in Istanbul, he was desperately trying to get to Leipzig. But the restrictions are even tighter since that Istanbul game. So he couldn't go in the end, and I think he was gutted about that. I'm not sure how... They'll be feeling now with United having gone out of the competition. What's Leipzig like as a city? You arrived yesterday. Yeah. Leipzig's a beautiful city. I mean, but I'm perhaps slightly biased. I actually used to live here, spent a year and a half here on my uh, on my year in abroad and a bit a year abroad and a bit extra when I was at uni. So I know the city very well. Um I've been I've I've visited the city on obviously dozens of occasions over the past ten years. I know it's football scene extremely well. Um, followed the rise of RB Leipzig pretty closely. Um, not necessarily with a great deal of sympathy and affection for what goes on. Um, but uh, I think it's always important to to make that distinction between um, what they stand for as a, as a club and a construct. And I think we went through that at the start um, on, another, on another podcast. But... What they actually do on the pitch, what Julian Nagelsmann as a coach, what he does, what him and his and his trainer team um, do with do with their players on a week uh, on a week in week out basis, uh, just that that deserves uh, that deserves a lot and a great deal of respect, I think. 
Um, and they showed last night exactly what they're capable of. So you arrived in the city. Is anything open? Are the bars open? Are the restaurants open? How severe is the lockdown there? And then how did you get out to the stadium? And tell us what it was like around the stadium. Um, well, the city itself, as you can imagine, is pretty empty, um, although it wasn't quite as empty as um, as, as Cologne and, and, and Bonn, so the cities where, uh, where, where I'm based. Um, the coronavirus numbers in this part of Germany, so the state of Saxony, are some of the highest in the country. Um, however, the city of Leipzig itself isn't quite as bad, um, it's all, all relatively speaking. Um, so there were markets open, as you know, like normal markets around the town square, not Christmas markets. Obviously, there's normally several massive Christmas markets in Leipzig at, at this time of year, but there's nothing like that. Um, shops are open um, for like, general shopping and stuff. Bars are obviously all shut. Um, you can't, yeah, you, you can't get a beer anywhere, I suppose, um, apart from perhaps kiosks or supermarkets. And but it's a bit cold to, to, to be standing outside. Um, so I spent a little bit of time throughout the days um, catching up with a few friends and a few a few people I know before making my way out um, out to the ground. I say out to the ground; it's actually pretty central. Um, nowadays known as the Red Bull Arena, but um, it was built for the 2006 World Cup, which Germany hosted. I think Leipzig hosted four or five games in that tournament, and the new. Arena, um, it's a big, yeah, big modern spaceship sort of thing. But interestingly, uh, I think it's pretty cool actually. It's, it, it's built into the the bowl of the old Central Stadium, the old Centralstadion in Leipzig, which was built out of uh, war rubble at the end of the Second World War. It's a huge, old, massive, cavernous sort of socialist sort of bowl, um, and that ground actually still holds the record attendance for any club football match in Germany, in either Germany, East or West, um, when over 100,000 turned up to watch uh, to watch a local derby back in 1955, I think. So it's a, as much as the current tenants, the current occupants of the ground might not have much going for them in way of tradition or history, the actual location in which they play is, is hugely important uh, in, in German football. Where do Lokomotive Leipzig play? Because I did a piece ahead of the game about Manchester United's only previous trip to the east of Germany, a 1965 European Cup game against the army team, Vorwarts, you'll probably tell me I've pronounced that incorrectly, and that's where the team... Well, okay, I'm not going to try with that one. That's where the team was stopped at Checkpoint Charlie and where Paddy Crowan filled in that his name was James Bond and the purpose of his visit was espionage, holding up the team for several hours. But they actually found the hospitality of the Germans, really impressive. They went out, they drank loads of brandy at night. All the players got steaming drunk after the game. They'd won the game. But United haven't played again in the east of Germany until that game in Leipzig. Although I noticed you did a piece on FC United playing against Lokomotive Leipzig. My brother actually played in that game for FC. And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, yeah. the crowd was around 7,000. And that yeah. was the biggest crowd my brother played in front of us as a semi-professional player and he actually gave me the shirt which he swapped with the Leipzig player at the time and I remember some FC fans going there and saying they'd enjoyed it but it was a bit hairy, it was a bit rough, there were groups of local lads there um, looking for trouble and they had to have the wits about them and these were people who travelled to a lot of Manchester United games so I know we've talked about football in Leipzig in, in more depth, just briefly, where are locomotive now and 
I know RB are the, the standout team in terms of the level they're playing at. How are the other teams doing? And is there any evidence of them around the city? Yeah, massively so. Like you said, the um, um, RB are obviously the big Champions League team these days. Um, Locomotive is probably a, no, uh, a name that's probably known to, with all due respect, perhaps some older listeners. Um, they were they were a pretty big European power in the 80s. Um, and they used to play their European games in that central stadium where the Red Bull Arena now stands. Um, yeah, the, just obviously speaking recently, uh, Diego Maradona played played there for Napoli um, against Locomotive Leipzig in, in, in the European Cup back in the day. Nowadays, they play in Division 4, um, as do their local rivals, uh, Chemi Leipzig. Um, so they're, they're the two traditional clubs in the city, Locomotive playing in a... In blue and white, uh, in um, blue and yellow, which are the colours of the city, and Chemi Leipzig playing in green and white, which are the uh, colours of the of the state of Saxony. So they're both in Division Four. They're both semi-professional teams. Um, however, they yeah they they they, dom- they dominate the the image of the city like, out on the streets. If you if you walk around the centre of Leipzig or around any of the suburbs. I don't think you'll pass a lamppost or a street sign or a wall or anything that's not plastered in stickers, um, predominantly of uh, Chemi Leipzig, um, but also of, uh, of, of of Locomotive Leipzig. Um, you have to look pretty hard uh, on a non-match day in Leipzig for for evidence of the of, of the presence of, of of Red Bull. I would say. Um, and when I speak to people, um, uh, yeah, either locomotive or Chemi supporters um, in in Leipzig, yeah, they, they tend to avoid the city centre on Bundesliga match days when Red Bull are at home. But generally, they they, they find a way to coexist and just they exist in a in a different world, a completely different universe. They just don't even compare themselves to them. They don't. They, they live on a different planet. Um, Red Bulls draw an awful lot of support from um, sort of more middle class family areas outside of town, um, but the the actual presence of the club in the city centre is is quite not not perhaps as uh, as big as you'd imagine. So you got to the stadium last night. Paint a picture there. Was it completely empty? Were there a a few journalists there? And what was the mood before the game? Who did you speak to? Did you feel that Manchester United were going to go through? Did the German journalists who you spoke to feel the same? Or were they as confident as their manager seemed to be pre-match? I had a couple of, um, had a couple of messages off, uh, off, off, off local supporters of Lokomotiv and Chemie hoping that, hoping that United knocked, this, uh, knocked that out last night. And to be honest, to anyone that asked... I sort of said, well, it's, completely, it's literally completely 50-50, isn't it? United are predictably unpredictable at the moment. United are capable um, of performances like we saw at Old Trafford against Derby um, or, or, away, or, or away at PSG. Yeah, we're absolutely capable of that. Or the, or the second half away at West Ham or Southampton. But equally, we're also capable of the, of, of the sort of performances that we saw last night. So I said, it, it can literally go either way. It depends what United turn up. So I wouldn't be surprised if United had come away last night with a 3-1, 4-1 win, having hit them on the break um, several times. And yet, equally, I said, but I won't be surprised if we get B three one four one ourselves here, because we're not we're simply not clever at the back, and and, and it proved unfortunately to, uh, to 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 be the latter. The actual atmosphere around the ground, I mean, it, it was I mean, it's it, it was it was ghostly. It is just a it's a massive looming 
old stadium with this with this spaceship sort of plummeted into it. So you, yeah, I mean there's very very little to say really apart from just uh, approaching the ground, sorting out accreditation, um, and uh, and yeah, go, go going across into our seats. Uh, press box is extremely high up in 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 the, in the stadium, so you feel like you're looking down from the top of North Stand Tier Three. Um, cold um, and yeah, a, a packed lunch with a can of Red Bull in it. Seriously. <laughs> How good of a European trip pre-match would it have been for United fans? Because to me, I like going to Germany. I think thousands would have travelled. It was a big game. You have the Christmas markets in Germany. Is it a good European uh, away day venue? Absolutely, yeah. Um, speaking to a few people while I was here and people asking what it's like. And um, like I said, knowing the city well, it is a fantastic city. And um yeah, it, it, it's it's cheap, it's affordable, um, fantastic bars and pubs um, in, in several different suburbs, so not just around the city centre, but the several very easy-to-reach um, suburbs of, of, of Leipzig with fantastic yeah, fantastic bar scenes, um, t- t- absolutely tons of pubs. The ground is relatively central. I mean, it's probably you can probably walk it from my hotel here in about 20 minutes, um, or it's just one, one or two stops on the tram, so it's all very central. Um, it would have been a fantastic place to come to, um, despite the problems that apparently was it Tottenham fans apparently had problems getting here because there weren't any direct flights from London to Leipzig, the poor things. So they had to go via Berlin, which sounds like an absolutely terrible journey. Um, God knows how they would have got to Kazakhstan, but Leipzig is abs- is actually is actually extremely accessible. Yeah, you can't really get, necessarily get a direct flight, but um, it's only one hour hour and a half train from Berlin. So it's not like it's, it's not like it's the middle of nowhere either. And then the game started a disastrous start for Manchester United, despite all the talk pre-match of being ready. And I'd asked Harry Maguire and Oli Gunnar before the game how the Champions League compared to the Europa League, and I was hoping for a bit of insight, maybe the different levels of standards between the players, or maybe how in the Europa League younger players can be bloodied and you just don't get that in the Champions League, but I almost got a dismissive, we're not even thinking about the Europa League, well they're going to have to think about it now because Manchester United are going back into the Europa League, but what were you thinking in the stadium as the team went one down, two down, RB were obviously playing very well, but Manchester United were absolutely not? Um, yeah, it was a pretty... Um... It was a pretty nightmarish start, obviously, and it quickly went from bad to worse. Um, I thought that this is the Red Bull Leipzig that I watch in the Bundesliga, if I'm honest. Um, I was pretty shocked after the you know, after the, the five near Little Trafford. You know, speaking for trying to be as, as neutral as possible about it, I was surprised at how easily United tore them apart. Um, Julian Nagelsmann's teams are not like that and I think that Nagelsmann uncharacteristically got it absolutely catastrophically wrong at Old Trafford um, and that allowed United to capitalise um, what we saw last night was very much the, the RB Leipzig that we see in the Bundesliga, the RB Leipzig that went away to Bayern Munich just four days ago and scored three and held them to a draw uh, the RB Leipzig that are second in the Bundesliga um, or, or third, Leverkusen might be above them now, but they're 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 an extremely good team. They're an extremely they have an extremely well planned squad that's been put together to play a specific type of football, and they play that football under a genuinely impressive 
young coach, um, and that that was clear right from the start. I mean, twice in the opening fifteen minutes, United's back three caught absolutely static um, and easy prey, either for diagonal through balls or, or, or for crosses. Um, and I thought the pace at which, particularly Emil Forsberg, the the Swedish midfielder was dictating the passing in front of United's back three there. United had absolutely no, absolutely no answers to it. And I thought this could be an extremely long night. And uh, it, it, well, it, it took United until the introduction of Donny van der Beek after half time to, to get any sort of grip on the game. Um, if, there was, if there was one little bit of hope that I was sort of clinging to at half time, it was first, obviously, first of all, that we weren't 3 we 0 down by, by that point. Um, but also the fact that there had, I think that there had been gaps at the back, and maybe I was clutching at straws. But obviously Greenwood had gone through, hadn't he? Should he have squared it? Should he have got a better shot away? Yeah, pr- probably. Um, another counter attack in which Greenwood's final pass, I think, was Rashford did, did didn't find its target. So there, there were those little shimmers of hope. I thought um, the onus was on RB to win the game. They have to come out. They were inevitably going to leave some some gaps at the back. Uh, Dio Pomacano, the centre back, was uh, w- was suspended. So there were there were gaps to be exploited there, and, and United didn't do it. Um, slight, obviously, United came back into the game second half, but even even then, um, the changes that Nagelsmann made, I think on the face of it, it perhaps seemed a bit strange. I, I raised eyebrows when he brought Forsberg off because he'd been so good in the first half. Um, but he replaced him with Yusuf Paulsen, the, the 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 Danish striker, which suggested straight away, right? Okay, they've got a lead. They're now going to be quite happy to sit on that league lead and hit United on the break with a with a couple of new strikers added up front. So it was a quite clear change in in, in approach from Nagelsmann in, in the in, in the second half, um, and ultimately the damage was done, wasn't it? Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. Why do you need a VPN? Well. Internet service providers like BT or Sky know every single website you visit. ISPs in the UK are required by law to store all of your metadata from the last year. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet, so your online activity cannot be seen by anyone. It's as easy as closing the bathroom door. You can fire up the app and click in just one button. It's rated number one by CNET, Wired and The Verge. It works on phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. I've been using ExpressVPN, spot on. No complaints from me. Secure your online activity by visiting ExpressVPN dot com slash united today that's expressvpn.com forward slash united and you can get an extra three months for free expressvpn.com forward slash united i'm in the red bull arena in leipzig it's it's full time um red bull leipzig three manchester united two and um, united are out of the champions league um as you'll know, listening to this, uh, 3-2 scoreline makes the game seem a lot closer than it, uh, than it, than it actually was. It's a pretty ca- catastrophic performance for Manchester United tonight. Um, and it's going to pile an awful lot of pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, 
I thought a good person to ask tonight um, about the manager would be a, a fellow Norwegian, um, a Norwegian journalist who's been sat in the in the press box with me in, in Leipzig this evening. So, yes, yeah, thanks for taking some time to talk to us. What's your name, where are you from, and who do you work for? My name is Johannes Morland. I'm a TV reporter for Norwegian TV2. I'm based in Berlin, and I work with news and sports, in particular Bundesliga. And how did you feel watching that performance from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team tonight as a, as a Norwegian? As a Norwegian, I want to sympathise with Solskjaer and I wish him the, the greatest success that he can have. Um, from, a, from a football perspective, it was a catastrophic game. They seemed no, not mentally prepared and they seemed not tactically prepared and to leave... Uh, to leave all these acres of space for uh, Angelino on the on the side there is 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 really uh, really unbelievable and um, yeah big big shock for Manchester United and um, yeah. did, did, did those tactical shortcomings this evening did they did they come as a surprise to you? Because United didn't seem to adapt after that either. I mean the, the second goal came from a similar situation. The third goal as well. In, in a way, yeah, Manchester United is a, is a, is a, is, a, is a, one of the biggest clubs in the world that should be prepared for any any match, and this is a, this is something that we've seen before in the Champions League from Herbert Leipzig that that they, they can do exactly what they did to bring the the, the, the side backs forward like this. Um, on the other hand, Manchester United has played a lot of games where they have not um, seemed ready uh, when when the when the first time, first half kicked off. So in a way, it's it doesn't come as a shock like that. How do you think the, um, the opinion and yeah, public opinion in Norway will, uh, will be towards Ole Gunnar Solskjaer following, uh, following tonight's result? I don't think it's going to change. I mean, um, for most people, he's just a very famous and um, successful and rich guy and he's, he's the by far most known Norwegian outside of the Norwegian borders. Uh, I think even if he's going to be sacked, and he's still going to be a legend in Norway. Um, for the Norwegian Manchester United fans, it's a bit different story. I think they they look at it the same way as I'm sure the people of Manchester do, and um, they're a bit sceptical of of the lack of success in uh, single matches. Yeah, you, you can't give a team a 2-0 lead, and that became three after a mix-up between Harry Maguire and David De Gea. I thought De Gea was responsible again for a high-profile mistake in a big Manchester United uh, game. And I feel maybe it's time for Dean Henderson to be given a chance because De Gea's mistakes are starting to cost the team. And we've seen it this year with Sevilla, with Chelsea in the FA Cup. And he's got competition now from Henderson in a way that he didn't have with Sergio Romero. Everyone said quite rightly that Romero was the best number two in the league, but he was seen as a number two. He didn't ever feel that he was going to play Premier League football. Henderson is in a different uh, situation and you can see the defence getting nervous now with De Gea behind him and yeah. that wasn't how it was for so long. De Gea was the best United player of the last decade. He's the most... Uh, he's got, he earns more than any goalkeeper on the planet. He's the most well-paid Spanish footballer on the planet, but his performances in some of the biggest games is starting to become a liability for 
for Manchester. No, I, I, I think I think I think you're right. Although I think the discussion around De Gea is absolutely legitimate, but I think it's a I think it's a separate discussion. Um, I think the the conversation around De Gea going back a few years now as to as to whether he still brings the attributes to be a, a truly elite modern goalkeeper. We all know his shot stopping has been traditionally extremely good, but it's been his um, his his work with the ball at his feet, which has been a bit problematic, and his his ability to almost act as a bit of a as a sweeper or an extra defender. The way that modern goalkeeper Keepers get involved in the game a little bit more and take a bit more control. That's been lacking for a few years. I think that's all a legitimate discussion to have, but I think it's a separate discussion. Um, and I don't think um, I don't think you can pin United crashing out of a Champions League group in which they started with six points from two games and only needed one point from uh, from the final two. Uh, I don't I don't think you can pin that on David de Gea. No, it's part of it. I mean, if he'd not conceded that third goal, United would still be in the competition. But the result in Istanbul was a a, a stinker, and yeah. the game against PSG, where Oli admitted he should have brought Fred off, was a another problem. You talked about Nagelsmann. Where do you see the future for him being? Um, do you think he's got ambitions to move to a major major club, a club which is bigger than RB? In taking them to the semi-final of the Champions League, he's obviously done really well. But is that their limit? Um, I I don't think it is. Um, I think when you when you're talking about the future prospects of a club like RB Leipzig and I, I, indeed anyone involved with them, so whether that's Julian Nagelsmann as the current coach, um, Ralph Hasenhüttl before him. Um, or the, the previous sporting director and tactical mastermind uh, Ralph Ranić, they. They, they they do tend to exist in this um, in this RB Leipzig world in which they they I, I don't I don't want to take away from them too much but they they exist in a in a highly streamlined corporate style organization where absolutely everything at the club from the transfer policy to the youth policy to the tactical setup um, to the to the players brought in from various farm teams absolutely everything is is tailored specifically to that specific brand of playing football brand of, of attacking high pressing transitional football um it, it's not i think i mentioned it briefly last time that it's not a coincidence that um nagelsman like ranjik before him came from hoffenheim a club which also has similar structures and it also it's also one of the reasons why despite ralph ranjik being linked with ac milan recently he didn't actually take the job because he ultimately decided that ac milan would be a club where too many people would be having too much of a say and he wouldn't have enough autonomy so nagelsman does benefit um, for, for, from, from, from that situation um, at, at RB um, whether um, he's taken to their limit yet yeah, I'm not sure if he has um, the whole again it's this unique universe in which Red Bull exists that the, the point of that football club is the is the greatest exposure possible for that brand that's that's the primary role for existence um, and you have to say that that would be winning the Champions League wouldn't it what, what what bigger exposure? What bigger platform could they could they offer their owners, their creators than, than, than that? So the sky's the limit in terms of ambition. They reached a semi final last season. Um, Nagelsmann said in his press conference last night that if there's one thing that's perhaps held them back from time to time, it's the fact that they are a young team and a young club and don't necessarily have that that that, that weight of a winning mentality behind them. Simply by purely due to the fact they've only been around five years. 
um, at least at, at the um, at, at top level. And he said, you know, that 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 winning mentality breeds breeds an even greater winning mentality. And he's he said that that's something they've often fell they've often fallen down on. Arguably, he'd have said the same thing, but twisted the other way around. Had United got a third goal last night, and it would have turned out that RB had thrown away a three 0 lead in ten minutes, he'd, he'd have then probably said the same thing that yeah, well, this is what happens. Yeah, we're we're a good team, but we we, we tend to lack that. That, that that big game experience to, to get things over the line. So, I mean, successes like that for them last night are only going to take are only going to take them take them to the um, to the next level and and, and make them stronger. And um, but I think they've uh, I think they've proven that they can they can absolutely compete. And looking back at that um, at that game at Old Trafford from the point of view of this morning in uh, in, in Leipzig, the more of it looks like an anomaly. Do you think if Barcelona, Madrid, Manchester United, Liverpool, PSG went for Nagelsmann, he might say, I'm actually fine here? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think there's definitely a chance that he'd look at the structures of those clubs. Um, I mean, p- particularly in terms of Manchester United, as for the others, I can't can't personally really say. Although the, you know, the, the noises out of Barcelona aren't, aren't, too, aren't too pretty, as, as I gather. Um, no, I get the impression. I mean, by all accounts, Ralph Ranić, his predecessor and his sporting director, did. You know, the, 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 there was interest from United and there was interest from Ranić, but I, I would presume that he, he looked at the, the way United are run, the structures that are in place at the club, and I wouldn't be surprised if he took one look at them and thought, nah, I, I, I can't work within that. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I don't think they would consider. The structures that United to be to, to, to be modern or streamlined or, or, or advanced enough. Um, having said that, um, Ralph Hasenhüttl is the the, the, the counter argument to that. Obviously, had great success in his in uh, RB Leipzig's first season in the Bundesliga, um, and I mean ahead of him, ahead of him leaving, he 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 actually also fell foul of the fact that the structure at Red Bull was also pretty rigid. He he wanted to have them playing slightly more possession based football and not just rely on these counter attacks all the time. And Ralph Ranić at the time thought that would be a move too far away from the structures they have in place, so it, it didn't work out between the two. But even Hasenhüttl is showing at Southampton what a good coach he is, and. Um, Again, that distinction is important. No matter no matter what you think of um, the, the construct of Red Bull and this system of teams that they have, and the criticism of those is absolutely legitimate and should continue to be made. Um, but it clearly it clearly produces good coaches, doesn't it? Um, look at Nagelsmann now, um, Hasenhüttl in, uh, in, in 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 England at the moment. Um, and the the effect that Ralph Rangnick has had on, uh, on 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 modern on modern football all over Europe, um, there's 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 clearly there's clearly something to be taken from it in a in a in a purely footballing in a purely footballing sense I would say. There was a Mancunian who was involved in RB Leipzig, a United yeah. fan as well, uh, Paul mm-hmm. Mitchell. Um, he's only thirty nine. He was uh, worked on player recruitment at RB and. He was linked with Manchester United in a similar role, but when I checked out that story, those links definitely were not coming from Manchester United. And now he's the sporting director at Monaco, so he's he's mm. clearly got something. If you're working at that level of club, and mm. probably bring it back round to 
whether Manchester United need an equivalent, and I don't want this podcast to be another one about where we're talking about um, a sporting director. I just wonder now where Manchester United go for the rest of this season because they work so hard to get yeah. into the Champions League and now they're out of the Champions League. Do you think the Europa League is a, a competition worth winning? Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm I'm quite I'm quite shamelessly one of those United fans who uh, wouldn't say necessarily prefer the Europa League, obviously in terms of a footballing competition to win to winning the Champions League. I'm not going to go that far, but I go to the games. Um, uh, I enjoy travelling around around Europe, watching United, and from the from the perspective of a of a football fan, another match going football fan, the Champions League does absolutely bore me. I must admit, um, when this group came out, um, I've made I have made quite a point about it. Group Group H being um, the absolute epitome of modern football. We've got United having been drained by. By the Glazers over the past fifteen years, um, alongside a Qatari sports washing object, a Red Bull marketing gag, and a Turkish team that's owned by the government. I mean, it doesn't get much more modern football than that, does it? So, from purely that point of view, part of me is quite happy to be out of it. Um, I don't really want, I don't want much to do with it personally. In terms of United and their actual development, um, it's not where Bruno Fernandez wants to be playing. It's not where Donny Van de Beek wants to be playing. It's not where Alex Tellers wants to be playing, I don't imagine. Um, certainly not where Paul Pogba wants to be playing, although I don't think anyone could tell you where exactly Paul Pogba wants to be playing football at the moment. Um, so, no, it's a massive setback. Um, the, the the greatest praise for, for Solskjaer came in the fact that he got us, he, that he got us into the Champions League, and that was undoubtedly an achievement, and he deserves praise for that, absolutely. However... We're now not in the Champions League, and if that's the barometer by which we're by, by which we're managing by, by which we're um, measuring success and by, by which we're measuring managers, then I think it's pretty difficult. I think it's pretty difficult at the moment not not to say that that has to be considered a failure, doesn't it? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, I'm just looking at the teams, potential teams in the Europa League who've gone through: Roma, Young Boys, the Swiss side, Arsenal, Molder. Oli Gunnar's old team, Slavia Prague, Bayer Leverkusen, Rangers, Benfica, Granada in Spain, beautiful city, PSV, Napoli, Real Sociedad, another beautiful city in San Sebastian, Napoli away, oh, I'm excited yeah. about that, it's yeah. the first time I've smiled since since that game, yeah. <laughs> um, no, away. like I said, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's a selfish perspective, but from the, honestly, from the perspective of, of, of fans actually going to watch games and enjoying different football different football cultures, different cities, new places, um, traditional old stadiums. Um, yeah, the, it, there's definitely something to be said for it. Um, but I, I can definitely understand that that's not necessarily everybody's cup of tea. Braga, Lille, Milan, Villarreal, Maccabi Tel Aviv, Antwerp, Spurs, Zagreb, Wolfsburger, the Austrian team, Hoffenheim, Red Star, Belgrade. Jeez, imagine that, Red Star. Well, we're in partisan. <laughs> Um, last year and then we've got the third place teams who've dropped out Club Bruges Manchester United Krasnodar and Dynamo Kiev what a sorry state I mean if we're doing a podcast in Gdansk ahead of the final everyone will be buzzing and we'll be saying that this competition is more suited to Manchester United's current level because they're not a team who were good enough to win the Champions League but I feel so disappointed Matt today having gone out of that competition I can't pretend otherwise and I think they're all culpable and should take 
some share the blame from the manager, from the players, from the coaches. It's just uh, such a disappointment having had such a good start to that group stage and winning in Paris and putting five past Derby for what? For nothing. But but I mean, yeah, it, it, it's disappointing. Yes, it, it it's shambolic. Yeah, it's calamitous. You can use whatever whatever adjective you want. They're, they're all right. But one one adjective that is definitely not is is surprising. Are, are you are you really are you really surprised deep down? I mean, ultimately, every three or four games, United deliver that performance. Yeah, they and do, and, pretty, and, after, after, and that pretty, pretty consistently for two years now. Yeah, and then after a couple of those performances, it, it all gets pushed under the carpet with um, with a yeah with, 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 with some sort of big statement win, which often I've said before often come often comes caveated either by individual class or by the opposition um, having a, having a bit of a calamity in in the way that Nagelsmann and Red Bull did it did at, um, at Old Trafford. Um, you know, or, or you have like moments of individual brilliance, whether it was Pogba's performance at City away when we came back and won there, whether it was yeah again Pogba again is uh, his goal away at West Ham, yeah, all fantastic moments of, indi- of individual brilliance. But I mean, yeah, it's disappointing, but it's absolutely not surprising. Predictably unpredictable. This is Manchester United, and has been for much of the time post two thousand and thirteen. Unfortunately. Well, I'm going to let you get your train, Matt. You're going to travel right across Germany now? Yeah, train is from uh, from Leipzig to Frankfurt, and then a change, then Frankfurt up to um, up to Cologne. It's a weird one. If you if you actually drove in a in a in a beeline from Cologne or anywhere in Western Germany directly straight across to Leipzig in in, in the east of Germany, probably wouldn't take you more than more than four hours, but because of Germany being split for forty odd years, no train lines were ever built that way. That that went directly across. There's also a lot of hills in the middle of Germany, so it just d- didn't make sense to build a direct train line. So to get from Western Germany to to Leipzig or Dresden or anywhere over here, you either have to go in a big like curve south via Frankfurt and back up, or North via Hanover and back down to Leipzig, so it always involves a good sort of six and a half hour journey with a couple of with a couple of changes. So, I'll uh, I'll keep myself occupied. I was going to be on that train back to Frankfurt, and I was going to change for a train to Paris, and then I was going to get a night train into the Pyrenees and drop down into Spain. <laughs> but none of that's happening now. So, I do hope that when fans are next back, um, when the well, it's Europa League now that fans will be able to attend in in decent enough numbers. Hopefully, fans will be able to go to the Leeds game at Old Trafford and with the Bloody hell, don't don't even talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm absolutely dreading the thought of it. Of Leeds with with, um, Bielsa. I'm, 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 I'm dreading that. I'm dreading that more than more than City or Liverpool, honestly. Um, I feel like yeah, unfortunately, we probably got used to a situation where if City coming to Trafford and beat us, or, or Liverpool beat us, then okay. Well, I mean, part of us, part of us can probably expect it. We know how good they are, but Leeds, um, Leeds are good. Bielsa's good, isn't he? Yeah, Bielsa's a, a complicated genius who's a fascinating character. And I watched the first ten minutes against Chelsea. They scored a brilliant goal. They've got they've got good players, but. Yeah. 
Man United should be beating Leeds at Old Trafford, especially if fans can come back. And I do think that 2,000 fans, it's a tiny number, but it would make a difference. We were both in Istanbul, and even those 300 fans made a difference. It does make a little difference, you're right. Um, Over the weekend, I tuned into a little bit of of Tottenham Arsenal. Um, And again, it's only, I know it's only 2,000, but it was absolutely, it was absolutely fantastic to hear hear Tottenham fans singing and just just little things. I think at one point, whatever Arsenal player it was, was going to get the ball and take a corner and he's getting abused by someone wearing a mask. I thought that was brilliant. I mean, a a little tiny bit of normality coming back, hopefully. And um, who knows, um, maybe by, maybe by the time the final in Gdansk comes around, some of the travel bans might have been lifted and... um, the, the whole of well, yeah the whole of Europe will be making making some progress with this situation because it's um yeah it's pretty shit in it yeah it is I've always like to visit Gdansk and that remains true uh, thank you for your your time Matt um the new United we stand did come out uh, this week you can download it it will be on sale in the usual outlets I know there are restrictions and it's not not easy to get the Mac. Um, because there are restrictions but we are distributing it as normal as we can do we have sent out all the copies in the post and I'm pleased that so many arrived so quickly because post especially international post has been really problematic Um, copies have been taking weeks and weeks to get there and that's just because of covid because of a spike in demand for postal services combined with um, fewer international flights so Please be patient there. This situation will work itself through. We do appreciate and we need your support to, to buy the mag. You'll find stuff in there which you won't find anywhere else. So you can still order a copy and we'll, we do a mail out once a week between the issues and just PayPal the money, three ninety nine for the UK to uwsmag at yahoo.co.uk. Or if you want to order a subscription as a Christmas present for somebody, we'll be more than happy to put a letter in there saying... Um, this is your first of a 10 issue subscription and it's to so and so from so and so so that they're well aware that they've got nine more issues that might come in over the next nine months that's it for this podcast we'll bring you another podcast next week i'm definitely looking at doing the one at leeds outside old trafford with fans but as with so many things there's so much uncertainty around at the moment especially with this team that we all love manchester united until next time Goodbye.